on Portnoy Driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Okay, so today I'm talking about the design of the Brothers War. Okay, so the story begins um, a while ago. So uh, we had what we called a hackathon where we come up with ideas for sets. And one of our hackathon was all about supplemental sets. And so Ethan and I individually pitched the idea that eventually would become Modern Horizons, um, ends up being a successful set. So uh, Mark Globus, one of our producers, goes to Ethan, because um, Ethan had pitched um, Modern Horizons and said, hey, what, else, what other cool supplemental sets could we do? And so Ethan was really thinking about, okay, what is like really something that the invested in franchise fan would just have a lot of, would really love to see? Uh, and one of his ideas was the Brothers War as a set. Now, he pitched it as a supplemental set. Um, you know, the idea being, you know, hey, this is a really, this is a story that the franchise player would love and maybe we could do, you know, something, uh, a supplemental set built around it. You know, we, we, we had done event sets for, um, for premiere sets like, you know, War of the Spark, uh, but we hadn't done that yet. And so he's like, well, what if we do an event set for a supplemental set that's, uh, you know, the biggest magic story never told? Cause, so for those, real quickly, the history is uh, Antiquities, which was the second ever magic expansion, uh, told the story of the Brothers War, but through the lens of time that you were digging up antiquities, you were digging up, you know, artifacts from the past, and you were, like, kind of piecing together this war that happened. And so there's a lot of names referenced, there's objects referenced, but it's not a really cohesive story in antiquities. It's more just getting the hints of things. And the idea they were playing around with is, in archaeology, you have to kind of piece things together. And so it was a cool concept. The set was all about artifacts, and so, you know, it was, it was a neat idea. And the first set actually ever to really have any story to it. Um, the names Urza and Mishra showed up in Alpha, but just as names. There wasn't any more definition to it. And so Antiquities really put on the map the, the idea that A, that magic can really have story, and B, who was Urza, who was Mishra, and started sort of giving the, the beginning of that. Now, uh, Jeff Grubb would later go write a book called The Brothers' War, which was kind of the definitive telling of what happened in The Brothers' War. Um... But other than Antiquities, that kind of teased at it, and a handful of cards, Urza Saga, the Block had a couple cards that referenced it. Um, but I mean, it was the kind of thing that got you know teased a little bit. But we really, there are like there's characters that are pretty central to the Brothers War that had never had a card, um, you know, and and it was just anyway. So Ethan pitched this idea of what if we do the Brothers War, um, and and people were very excited that that sounded like a cool idea. Okay, so flash forward, I'm having my one-on-one with Aaron. So Aaron's my boss, Aaron Forsythe. Um, we meet once a week um, at Wizards. Uh, uh, managers and their direct reports meet once a week to sort of talk through, see how things are going. Um, and so he and I were chatting, and he said to me, uh, what do you think of the idea of a, of a Brothers War set? And I'm like, that sounds awesome. You know, I, I think players would really like that. And then he said to me, um, you know, Ethan pitched it as a supplemental set, but what do you think of it as a premiere set? And I was like, absolutely. I think that'd be an amazing premiere set. Um, you know, I said, the, the only issue, which is not even a mechanical issue, it's more of a flavor issue, is our sets tend to be set in the present. We'd have to explain, like, how is the Brothers War relevant to what's going on now? And I mean, I said there's a little bit of creative stuff to work out. But I go from a, 
from a mechanical standpoint, we can make an awesome, you know, like, I think Brothers War would make a great uh, premiere set. Uh, so what Aaron said to me is, okay, well, I, I, I also think it'd be a great set, but I, I think that I have to prove this. You know, there was, a, there was some doubt from sort of, you know, uh, the people he has to report to. And so what he said to me is, here's what I'd like you to do. Could you make me a prototype? Can you make can you make something that I could play with other people to demonstrate the potential of what the Brothers War could be as a set? And I said, sure, okay, definitely I can do that. Um, you know, from time to time, one of my jobs, sometimes, I mean, I often talk about sort of the making of the sets, but sometimes there's what I call the selling of the set, that you have to sort of make just enough to tantalize people so the people that are unsure can see it and go, ooh, that's exciting, yes, let's make that. So, um, Ari Me had just been, had just won the Great Designer Search 3, uh, and so he had started Wizards, I mean, he had won and then, whatever, it took a couple months before he came out to Wizards, but he had just started at Wizards, um, and so the idea was, I, I thought he would be a good person for this task. So, uh, what I did is I said, I said to him, okay, you and I are going to make this, and I put him in charge of it. I said, you know, I mean, I, I will be helping you, but I'm, I'm going to put you in charge of sort of making all the cards. Um, and here, here's what I want. This was, this is what I said I wanted. I wanted two decks, one of Mishra and one of Urza. Um, and I think we decided that Urza was going to be white, blue, and Mishra was going to be black, red. Um, and I, I just want two decks that can play against each other. Aaron had mentioned the idea of maybe having a, a, a meld giant Urza. So we're like, okay, let's, let's definitely do that. Um, and, you know, so... It's like, okay, we, we want to make these decks. We'll, you know, let's figure out how to do that. Uh, we decided we wanted to put a mechanic in each deck, um, and, or more, one or more. I think we... So I basically said to, to Ari, okay, that, that's a general gist. We want to we want these two decks to show off what this set could be like. Um, so for the Urza deck, because we were talking about doing meld for, for the Urza, um, and we, we ended up doing melds for Mishra and Urza. We, for the, each deck had a meld card, a, a, like a a rare meld card. Um, then there's an idea that I was toying around with. Um, Host Augment had been a mechanic that I had made in Unstable that had been very popular. Uh, and it dawned on me that you could use meld technology for Host Augment. So the idea is, instead of being a, a host was a creature uh, type, or was it a super type? I think it was a super type. Um, anyway, Host was, uh, went on creatures, and then Augment was like an enchantment, sort of. I mean, it was technically a creature, but it acted like an enchantment. Uh, it was technically a creature. Um, but what if you had um, all the hosts and the augments were just creatures who actually cast it around the board, and then if you had a, a, a basically an A and a B, a left side and a right side, you could meld them together, and that the A side would be the, um, the trigger condition, and the B side would be the effect. Um, so augments are the trigger condition and hosts are the effect. So we, the idea is, could we do that? So for the Urza deck, we made this sort of meld mechanic that was kind of a host augment meld mechanic. Uh, and then um, for Mishra, Ari came up with the idea of using Unearth. Um, I forget whether there's any Unearth. There might have been a little bit of Unearth in Urza too, or, or maybe just in Mishra. Anyway, it was a mechanic, uh, Unearth was a mechanic that actually I had made. Uh, back in um, Shards of Alara, um, we were looking for a mechanic for Grixis. Ironically, I wasn't even... I was on three mini-teams, not on Grixis, 
uh, and I made the glitches mechanic somehow. Um, I think because they were having trouble finding quite what they wanted, and my idea basically, Unearth basically was flashback but for creatures. Um, I think I called it Flash Dance of the Dead, it was my, my working name. Um, but the idea was, how do you do flashback but on creatures? And the idea is, oh, well, you get them once. You get them for a turn, they have haste, but then end of turn, they get exiled. So you sort of get it back, but only for a singular turn. But anyway, if you know much about the Brothers War, the story, the, both Urza and Mishra are artificers, and both of them dig up a lot of Thran technology. So Unearth was pretty, pretty on the mark for matching the flavor of what they were doing. Um, I think Ari also put in a little bit of Phyrexian mana, into Mishra's deck because uh, Mishra was influenced uh, by the Phyrexians. Um, so anyway, we made two decks. Um, you know, I, I helped make some cards, but Ari was in charge of the decks. Ari did the, the mountain share of the work on the decks. Um, and then we played them with Aaron. Aaron liked them. Aaron then played them with Bill and Ken and other people we needed to. They liked them, and so we got sign-off on, okay, we're going to do the Brothers' War. Um, and the creative team, exactly what I had said, they had to figure it out, and so uh, th- we were in the middle of doing the Frexian, um, the Frexian arc, the idea that maybe the solution to the Frexians lied in the past because, uh, you know, Urza had interacted with the Frexians before, and they play a role in the story, and so... They, they came up with a reason why Teferi goes back in time to witness the Brothers' War so he could learn something that could be valuable in the fight against the Frexians. So we, we found a way to sort of blend it in creatively. Um, okay, so... And then, once it was time to do it, I was really happy with all the work that Ari had done. And, I, and, and I'd worked with Ari on a bunch of other sets, and I decided that I really wanted Ari to have this be his first vision design. So I put Ari on the set... Um, and the idea was that we were going to use what we had done in the sort of um, the demo decks as a jumping off point. Um, so what happened was, let, let me walk through the mechanics. Um, meld. So we knew we wanted to do the rare melds. Um, so when we had made them in the demo decks, Urza was a planeswalker that I think he had six abilities. Uh, in the final version, he has one static ability and five loyalty abilities. Um, and Mishra, in our original version, I think he had six activated abilities. That was just a little mind-melty. Uh, and so we ended up making sort of, I don't know what to call it, but a, a charm is three choices, pick one. A command is four choices, pick two. So we did six choices, pick three. So we did whatever the next step up from a command is. Not that there's going to be a lot of them because you need a giant card to fit it all on. Um, but we did a thing where when he comes and play, you get to pick three things out of six choices. So... You know, he generates some ability. So, and Mishra was influenced by the Frexians. So we showed that transformation in his meld card. We also decided um, Urza was white-blue, Mishra was red-black. We decided that we wanted to have a green card just to balance it out. Titania plays a big role in the story, so we made a Titania card. So th- those were the rare meld cards. Um, we tried the host augment thing for a while and just realized that um, it, it was a little more complex than we needed for what we were doing. I think maybe the right, might be the right set to do it. It's not that it, it couldn't work. It was more that it just wasn't a great fit for this set. Um, we did try a version of Meld at Common where there was a common artifact creature and then a common spell. And if you played the spell while the creature was on the battlefield, 
or you cast the creature while the spell was in your graveyard, you could meld it. Um, but the problem we ran into a couple fold. One was there's just some combinatorics to making meld work that were causing us a little bit of pain. Not, not unsolvable. Um, but probably the bigger problem was the reason we liked um, all the different meld things was the idea that it played into ingenuity. That, you know, um, Urz and Mishra were artificers and they really, you know, were hobbling things together and, and you know, taking old tech and, and tweaking and doing cool things. And um, we thought that sort of played into the ingenuity of, of them as inventors. But what we found was we were doing the Brothers War. It wasn't called, like, Adventures with Urza. You know, it was, it was a war. And so, really, the core of what the set was was artifact creatures smashing into each other. Uh, oh, and that's something, by the way, I didn't get into. One of the things we decided in the demo right away was because we were harkening back to early magic, we, we wanted all the artifacts to have generic mana costs. Now, we knew we needed some color in them because we've made enough artifact sets where everything's colorless to know the problems that causes. So the rule was the mana cost had to be generic, but if you were unearthing it or you were melding it or whatever you were doing with it, other costs could cost mana. You know, you could have other, you could have activation costs. You could have things that cared about certain basic land types. You know, you could do things in which to optimize the card, you wanted to have the color, but the card was playable without that color. Uh, and we felt that captured enough of the early sense of artifacts and magic um, that we wanted, like, we had to sort of make it such that it worked for modern magic, but we did want to get a little bit of a sensibility of, because we were, we were making a call back to antiquities, which is pretty early magic, so we did that. Okay, anyway, sorry, back to, um, but we wanted giant we monsters smashing into each other, and so we finally decided that um, the meld on the rares showing final, you know, transformations of the main characters make, made a lot of sense. But the common meld was just kind of playing in space that didn't quite reaffirm what this set was about. Um, and that's a common thing you find when you're making sets. You want to maximize the set you're making rather than, you know, like, like here's a cool idea, but is this making the set as cool as it can be? Anyway, so that fell, by the way. We, we did a handover, by the way. Um, the common melds were handed over from Vision to set design. So they, they got removed in set design. Okay, next up. Um, proliferate. Not proliferate. The proliferate is in the set. Um, prototype. I meant prototype. Uh, so when we were trying to design, we were trying to figure out how to have multiple states of artifacts. We liked the idea of evolution. Something we tried early on in the design was having multiple things. Um, like, you know, it's, it's the normal ornithopter. It's advanced ornithopter. Like, you would see evolution. Uh, we ended up not having space for that, but we... It encouraged us to make the prototype mechanic where the idea was you could see an early version or you could see a later version. Um, and in some ways, it's a, it's a lot like a split card or MDFC, you know, in that you have two options of what it is. It's flavored as early version and later version. The early version is cheaper but smaller, and the later version is just, like, bigger. So the idea is um, what the card does doesn't change, just how big it is. And part of making cool prototype designs is a lot of the rules text varies depending upon how big the creature is. So that, you know, there's a lot of things we can do where the bigger the creature is, the more powerful the rules text is. It's not just a matter of the creature's more powerful, but, you know, the rules text interacts in fun ways. You can trigger up power or you can, you know, you can do things in which it being bigger just makes it a more powerful card. Um, and then we decided we wanted color in it, but rather than kick them to make the more expensive thing the coward thing, we decided to make the cheaper thing the coward thing. So if you want to do the early prototype stuff, 
you need to be in the color. If not, you can cast it for the big version. And there's some, there's some archetypes in the set, red, green, and green, blue, that are very much about ramping into larger things. Uh, red, green is sort of the medium, and blue, green is kind of larger stuff. Uh, but the idea is both of those can use prototype cards where you're not even playing the color of the prototype. The plan is not that you're playing the small version, you're going to ramp into the big version. That was kind of cool that they could, that, you know, those decks can actually draft some of the big um, prototype cards, even though they're not playing the colored mana with it. Um, so we messed around a lot with prototype. I know in set design, um, the big question was, do you treat them like kicker or do you treat them like split card slash MDFCs, modal double face, double, double face cards? Um, meaning are, you know, when you cast the smaller one and you paid colored mana, is it colored? Does it have a mana cost? Is that the mana cost? Um, what we found, and the reason we went down the split card MDFC route is it just made a more interesting card. There was less abuse with it. You know, we didn't want you casting a high expensive mana value card, but for a cheap cost. And so anyway, we ended up making it so that if you cast a small one, that's what you cast. It's that small thing. It's colored, it's that, that mana value. Um, so anyway, that was prototype. Next up, so we liked Unearth, um, but we experimented, we were, you know, during exploratory, we definitely tried some other things. And one of the ideas we came up with something called Scrap. So the idea of Scrap was that you had an ability, uh, it went on artifacts, it went on artifacts, not just creatures, on artifacts. And then, you could remove the card, you pay some mana, exile the card, and you could kind of like mutate it to an artifact on the battlefield. So the idea is, let's say I have a card that um, I could tap to gain life. Well, if I scrap it, I could attach it to an artifact I have on the battlefield, and now, in addition to the other things it can do, it now can tap to gain life. It, it, it sort of adds that functionality. Um, and the flavor we liked was, you know, this idea of they're finding things, you know, the Urza and Misha are finding things, literally they're taking them up and they're adapting them. And we sort of, it had some of that flavor. And so, um, so what we said at a handoff is, look, Scrap and Unearth both play into a similar flavor of digging up stuff from the past. Um, we think Scrap is a little more, you know, it's newer, it's novel, we haven't done it before, or... We done mutate, I guess, but it, you know, it was it was a, a wilder swing. But we said, hey, if this is too much, Unearth is right here. You can use Unearth. So what happened was uh, Yanni was the one who led uh, Ari led vision design, but Ari led set design. Um, Ari tried a bunch of mechanics and had some play tests. Um, one of which with with upper management, and the note back was, well, just too much going on. Uh, and so we ended up scrapping scrap. Um, and ended up making it into Unearth, which, like I said, was the plan all along, was if this was too much. Um, I think pulling back a little bit on, like, meld... Like, I think there are other reasons with meld, but the complication was, was also a factor. Um, so both meld and scrap went away. Also, when we handed over the file, I think we put raid on some cards. Um, it, it was a war all about creatures fighting each other, and at the time, the mechanics were all very much about the artifacts, and we wanted something that encouraged attacking. Well, when, uh, for complexity reasons, Scrap went away and Unearth came back, Unearth does a job of creating aggression. When you unearth an artifact creature, well, you might as well attack with it. It's going to die anyway. So there's a lot of... It, it, unearth does encourage some aggression. And that mixed with some individual cards that pushed toward aggression allowed us to have that element. So Raid, so raid partly to simplify, partly because 
the adding of an earth made it less necessary. Um, raid went away. Okay, so the final component, as far as mechanical component, uh, which actually started all the way back, I think in the demo decks. I think we had some early version, or at least, sorry, I think in the demo decks. Okay, they weren't in the demo decks, but Ari had made a note about how maybe we want batteries of some kind. So in the story of the Brothers War, the Power Stones are the batteries. Um, and so I think what happened was Ari was interested in making something represent Power Stones, and then Zach, um, one of the designers in um, Dominaria United, also came to the idea of maybe we want to hit upon Power Stones because the Power Stones play into um, the Brothers War, but also it, it's an element of, of Dominaria. So the idea originally was that the, the Power Stones would first show up in Dominar United, and then they would go on to be a thing in the Brothers War. Um, by the time the dust settled, I think there was one, maybe two Power Stones. I mean, I know Karn made Power Stones. So Dominar United more nodded to it, kind of what we call a throw forward, where it's like, here's the thing, it'll matter more later, but we're sort of exposing to you it. Um, kind of like in the original Tempest, like... Um, the spikes had been pushed off to Stronghold, but we had one spike in the first set to show you that was coming. So we do throw forwards every once in a while. Um, now, the earliest version of the Power Stone, um, they always tap for colorless. They always were an artifact token. They always tap for colorless. Um, the earliest version didn't let you use the mana to cast spells. Uh, and so the idea originally was you were using it to activate things, mostly artifacts. Um, then it got changed so you couldn't cast colored spells, so the idea that you could cast all the artifacts in the set, because once again, um, barring one artifact that is... There is one artifact in the set that represents the thing that lets Teferi go back in time, meaning it's an artifact from the present day. Uh, and so that's the only colored artifact in the set, because it's the only thing not from the past. Um, but anyway, other than that, all the artifacts in the set were generic mana. So if you can tap for colorless and you could, if you could cast non-colored spells, you could cast all the artifacts in the set. Um, but as play design was playing with other sets... You know, there's a lot of colored mechanics in Magic as a whole that it felt weird the the Power Stone, they were only helping your colorless artifacts. So the final tweak was was to make it so... Um, what's the final one say? It says you can't cast colored... I'm sorry, you can't cast non-artifact spells. So it lets you cast artifacts. Even if they're colored artifacts, you can still cast those. Um, uh, and those were... I think that Ari... I mean, ever since we started... Uh, the clues got made in Shadow of Innerstad... Um, we really like this idea of, from time to time, you know, much like we have creature tokens that are unique to a set, we can have um, other tokens. Artifact tokens usually is what we do, although enchantment tokens aren't off the table. Um, and the idea is we've done clues, we've done food, we've done blood. You know, we've done a bunch of different things, and Power Stones is just adding another one in there. It was super flavorful. Um, now, Power Stones had their own issues one of which was it's ramping and ramping is dangerous. That's why Power Stones always come into battlefield tapped. And why we kind of cap what you can do with them. So like we don't want you running Power Stones in every deck. It's okay to run Power Stones in a dedicated artifact deck. That's kind of what they're for. Um, but we didn't want them just being uniform ramping in every deck. Like every deck just used them because they were ramping. So um, that's a lot of the tweaking to make them happen. Um, the other thing that went on during set design. So vision design handed over um, prototype melds, including common melds, Power Stones, Scrap, and Raid. Scrap and Raid got removed. Power Stones got tweaked. Um, the common melds went away. 
Um, an Earth came back, although once again, we'd handed it with an Earth as the backup. So that was, Vision Design did make an Earth card, so they, they were there. Um, as far as things that got added in set design, probably the biggest splash of things that got added is they decided to add in a command uh, cycle. Commands are spells that have four modes, and you choose two of the four. Um, first made, interestingly enough, by Aaron Forsythe, way back in Lowen. Um And we, uh, Lorwyn had done monocolor commands, but since then, um, while there had been individual monocolor commands, there hadn't been a cycle of monocolor commands since Lorwyn had introduced them. And so they thought there might be a cool place to do some monocolor commands, a cycle. Um, and then they came up with this neat idea of what if we tie them to characters? So the white's tied to Kayla, who's Urza's wife. The blue is tied to Urza. The black is tied to Gix from the Frexians. Red is tied to Mishra. The green is tied to Titania. So here's major characters in each of the colors. And so the commands represent sort of who they are. Um, but also their commands, which commands are fun. Um, the other thing they spent a lot of time on, some of this vision, vision did some of this, um, but set design had to do even more, which was, okay, we're in the Brothers War. So... I know Ari went through the book and like tagged every character that was in the book and, and then tiered them. Like, here's tier one. Like, we know we have to have Urza and Mishra. And here's tier two. We want Ashnod and Tanos. And, you know, here's tier three where maybe we want these characters, you know, depending on who we need. And I think what happened was, I think in the main set, they, they ended up making one new character. There's a white soldier they had to make. Um, but in general, they really went through the book and figured out how to repurpose things. And like, like one of the things that's tricky is, you know, the Brothers War when it was made was written as a novel. It wasn't written to be a magic set. And so one of the challenges is, you know, there are a lot of elements of the Brothers War that we that we needed to bring through. There were characters we wanted to do. Got to figure out who the characters were, what colors they were. You know, want to get some balance in color. Um, we needed to figure out what what are the objects. You know, what are the places. What are the moments that matter? So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, if you're trying to capture a story top-down, you want to make sure you're capturing all the component pieces of the story, but also you're capturing moments of the story. So there's a lot of time spent saying, okay, what are the moments we want to capture? And then, okay, what cards, you know. Some of the time it could be, well, this card already exists, but this could be that moment. And sometimes, like, oh, there's nothing that exists. we got to make it. We wanna, if we want to show this moment, we have to make something that lets us show this moment. And so there's a lot of time spent on working on characters, working on, um, <laughs> um, you know, moments, and, and, and getting all that stuff together. Um, another decision that got uh, decided was that we would have multiple Urzas and Mishras, and also we ended up having an extra Lauren, who is um, another student along with them. Um, and then, uh, so the idea was, at Uncommon... There is a student version of, of Mishra and Urza, and, and Lauren, actually. Um, and that represents sort of the young them. Then for, at Rare, there's an artifact creature, not artifact, sorry, a legendary creature for Urza and Mishra that represent them kind of in adulthood, kind of in the, in the middle of the war, middle to late part of the war. Um, and then when they meld and transform, it's the final stages, the stages they are at the very end of the story. Um, Urza becomes a planeswalker. Mishra gets corrupted by the Phyrexians. So you get to see... The, so there's three different versions of Urza and Mishra, essentially. There's the uncommon young version. There's the rare older version. And then there's the melded... Fine, so, I mean, I guess uh, Mishra dies at the end of the war. Urza goes on. So there, there's more story with Urza past the Brothers War, though. 
Um, that's a big part of his story. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's other Urza stuff. But um, anyway, and so just doing all that and working with the team, the story takes place, I think, over seven decades. Like, it's a long story. They start as, you know, teenagers, and you know, when the story ends, they're old men. Um, and so part of doing that also is figuring out what parts of the story we're telling when and how do we show, like... In some ways, um, War of the Spark was the last kind of event set we did, where the set was top-down, built around an event. But the War of the Spark was like a day long, you know, the, the, the main, like, there was morning, afternoon, and night. It was, it was a very, you know, condensed event. Um, this was not condensed. And so, uh, oh, the other thing that we needed to do was, mechanically, um, this set was inspired by antiquities. And so we knew that we wanted to have as much sort of throwback to antiquities as we could. Um, and so some of it was, I mean, I guess a throwback to both the novel of the Brothers War and the set ant- antiquity. So a lot of the Brothers War was getting the characters and stuff right. Um, a lot of antiquities was, okay, what was mechanically in antiquities? You know, could any of this be reprinted? Uh, could some of this be tweaked? Um, and there wasn't lots to reprint, there was a little bit. Um, but more than that, there was a lot to be tweaked. There was a lot of cool things we could do. Um, and I, I'm not sure whether it'll, it'll be an article or a podcast. At some point, I'll go through the set and um, just talk about all the different antiquities. There's a lot of, a lot of Easter eggs from antiquities and the, the Brothers War in general from the books as well. Um, but anyway, there was a lot of, of working that in. Um, I think that's the main thrust of what, what the set was about. Um... Yeah, the other interesting thing... Oh, the, the one other factor that came... I, I should mention that I'm almost to work. Is one of the concerns about the Brothers War, the reason Aaron wanted me to make the prototype and all that stuff, was um, would it be relevant to somebody that wasn't an franchise player? Okay, you've been playing Magic forever and you know the Brothers War and you played Antiquities and you know you remember the references in Urza Saga and like, like you, you know the references. Okay, you know, if, if you're someone who's been bugging me to make an Ashnod card or make a Gix card, okay, yeah, you're going to be very excited we're doing the Brothers War. We, we knew the enfranchised player. I mean, why Ethan pitched in the first place as a supplemental set. We knew the enfranchised players would really enjoy it. The question was, in the premiere set, hey, the majority of people playing aren't enfranchised players. Yes, there's a lot of enfranchised players, but there's even more than that of non-enfranchised players. And so... One of the big questions was, is this cool in a vacuum? If you don't know who Urza and Mishra are, is this cool? Uh, and the idea of what we said is, look, when people first heard the story back in Antiquities, it was cool. Antiquities was cool. Why? Because it's a grand, you know, it's a, it's a grand story. You know, two brothers falling apart, having a, a war that, you know, lasts decades of smashing giant artifact creatures into another. Like, that's a cool idea. That's a cool like, the thing that made it cool when it first appeared is still cool. And part of that was making sure that we, like, while we had plenty of Easter eggs, we wanted to capture all the story, we also just wanted to make, in a vacuum, cool stuff. That if you know nothing about the Brothers War, if you've never heard of it, but you open up the pack, you're like, ooh, look at these, all these giant artifact creatures and these battles, and, you know, like, that would seem cool. So that was an important part to making sure that, you know, the Brothers War wasn't just, uh, you know, a love letter to fans... Uh, you know, in franchise fans, it, it is, but it's not just that. Um, you know, one of the things to always remember when you're making a magic set is you have multiple audiences, and you're trying to make all the audiences happy, not just one audience. Um, supplemental sets sometimes lean in 
and we'll push more toward a, a particular audience. Um, premiere sets, I mean, I'm not saying different premiere sets don't lean in different directions, but we do try to make sure that everybody can love the premiere set. That's important to us, being our major sets. And so that was a big factor that we really had to think through um, when making Brothers War. But I, I think we did a good job. I'm happy with how it ended up. Um, like I said, I, 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 I'm really excited for everybody to get a chance to play it. Um, as of my recording, you guys have not. Uh, I, I'm recording this before. I've already written my articles on it, um, which is why I was well fresh with, with the story. I had to remind myself of everything. Um, but we haven't... Um, we've only done a few previews so far. Uh, this is before Magic 30. Magic 30 is going to be the big blowout. Um, I... You guys won't be hearing this till after Magic 30 since I'm telling you stuff that you, you have to know the set before I can tell you this. But anyway, uh, I'm recording this ahead of time, just trying to get further ahead. But anyway, uh, I think everyone's going to love the Brothers War. Early re- response to it's been really great, and it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it's I am an enfranchised fan. Um, it is a lot of fun. Like, it, it is fun making things in which there are elements for the enfranchised fan being a franchise fan. I, I, Antiquities was my, there's a point in time where it was my all-time favorite set. Um, and, you know, I, the, I, I read The Brothers Warrior. Like, I have a lot of fond memories of all that stuff. So it was very fun. I'm, I'm glad Ashnod and Gix and other characters finally got a card. There's some characters who had a card but got a better card. And anyway, so I'm excited for you all to get to play it. It was a lot of fun making it. Uh, I want to thank, uh, you know, Ari and his design, uh, vision design team and... Um, Yanni and his set design team, and the play designers, and, and all the people. It takes, it takes a giant team to make these sets. Um, but it's a lot of fun. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this story. That is the making of The Brothers War. So anyway, guys, uh, I'm now parked, so we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of making magic, it's time for me to be... I'm sorry, instead of talking magic, uh, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>